You're listening to The Riff, a podcast where Matt Black sits down between sessions to chat about industry happenings and creative musings. On this episode, our Director of Operations talks about the idea of momentum brands and how emerging brands can set themselves up to be in that lane. Hey there, and welcome to The Riff. This is Micah Haykoop, the Director of Operations at Matt Black. Um, And today, I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of being a momentum brand. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot over the past three or four weeks. Um, I've talked to Chelsea about it here, as well as a few other people, and just wrote a really small article for the Shapeshift Report around it. And, you know, I'll hash out a bit what I mean, but really it's this idea of why are certain brands so good at linking buzz together and making it feel like everything they do really builds and other brands seem to kind of come in and fade away. Um, and I think there's maybe one or two things that you can do that that help you keep buzz going. Um, so really what I mean by being a momentum brand is that idea of you look at like on the tech side, you could go for a Squarespace or on the fashion side, you could go for right now, like the very obvious Supreme or Gucci, who it seems like everything they do, they're always pushing forward on the same narrative. And also everything they do, it seems like it's a bit bigger of a deal than maybe it is. Um, and something that I think is really fascinating about that is because there, it always happens with brands who have a really healthily defined idea of brands like us do things like this. And so this is really what I wrote about in that idea that if you can define what the this is in that statement, you know, brands like us, brands like Matt Black, we do things like, and then you use that as a filter and you say, okay, we would do things like, you know, throw a block party at our office, or we would do things like put out the Shapeshift Report or do a podcast. Um, what we wouldn't do is maybe we wouldn't do, I don't know, something that was like uh, our own museum of ice cream or something like that. You know, maybe we'd want to do museum, but it wouldn't be quite so bright and colorful. Um, but really, I think their brands have a well-defined sense of that. So if you look at, um, we'll take the Supreme example and look on the bigger side, the biggest side, they can do something like a, collaboration with LV and it's this massive thing from a PR perspective and obviously it's hard to uh, you know under uh, undervalue how big that was for them but then what they could also do is every week they could put out a collaboration on one item with some artist you've never heard of and that also feels like a big deal Um, and then they could do their own collection that's in collaboration with no one and just because of the buzz they've built around that brand uh, it feels like a real cultural touch point and really I think it's because they're a brand who has a very well-defined sense of what they do Um, and they almost have it defined in more philosophical terms because they'll do things that are maybe you know it's not the idea of drawing a box so you don't do anything to surprise yourself obviously they're always doing things that are surprising like whether that be a branded fire extinguisher or you know a you know the collaboration of louis vuitton um but it's the idea of how are you creating parameters for yourself that allow you to be more creative i think we always struggle as an agency uh when you have no boundaries on what the ideas are supposed to be and you say you could do anything um but rather the most creative ideas come when you bring yourself some structure and put yourself inside some walls and show how you can really twist things or make things different and special so to me is that i having a well-defined idea of what that is the brands like us do things like this that's what allows you to become this momentum brand an idea that if you have that filter and it's really dialed in, everything you do feels like a continuation of the thing that you did before that. So whether that be those first couple PR hits and the first placements you got or interviews you did with magazines that you thought were really special, 
going into an influencer you worked with to do something interesting with one of your project products, going into how you're teasing out some launch on your website. If you're able to make sure all of those things line up, they build on one another. And if someone runs into you maybe on the second of three activations or on the third of three activations, they might get a chance to look back and see the other things you've done. Now they really have a blueprint for understanding your brand as well. So I, I don't think it's so easy to define for everyone's brand, but I think there's always two questions you can ask yourself. And the first is the one I've already said a couple of times, right? Is the brands like us do things like this? How do you set that filter? And then you could do it the other way, right? People who like us like things like this. And you say, where do those two things over intersect, right? Where they overlap. So the things that we do and the things that our people like. And I make the point that, you know, when brands try to be, so much in the culture and they look at culture as the things that are the biggest mass um, mass reach that that's where you get really diluted and you don't really have a voice for yourself but if you were able to do something that one out of every a thousand people love so you only please one out of literally every thousand people that see what you're doing that's eight million people in the world who could absolutely love you and so you say where are the niche markets that we can go after and how do we really speak to these people in an interesting way and really allowed ourselves just to build that story. Um, and, and I think outside of, you know, that one in a thousand, there's, you know, one in a hundred people who really just love brands that are authentic, no matter what they stand for, what they do. Um, and so the more that you're able to build on that, the more you're going to organically grow a fan base, whether or not uh, they may be fully committed to your principles or they've always been into the style that you're producing things in. Rather, they'll just respect the way that you are doing it. And I think, again, that opens you up just to say you go from step one to step two to step three and everything that you're doing feels like a cohesive story. So much now, I think, starts um, in really scatter shots with maybe seven or eight different areas of marketing, whether it be you have your emails and your homepage and your social and your influencer and the print pieces you're doing, whatever PR outreach, and it all just becomes a little bit of everything. Instead, the more that you can really pull that back and say, how would we do this as a brand? And how is that unique to the niche things that we believe in and the audiences that we really love and want to treat well and then go from there. And that's something that will really allow you to punch above your weight class. So if you want to read more about this, check out my latest article in the Shapeshift Report. This is the culture issue. Um, it's the idea of building a brand culture. And that's, again, not in the way that uh, you have free lunches or the team trips that you do, but rather what is the culture that your brand supports. We have a bunch of great articles in there. You can check it out at shapeshiftreport.co, um, and you can find us on all the social handles at shapeshiftreport.